Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, members. Welcome to the Atlasford Planning Committee meeting for the 27th of July. A couple of points of housekeeping before we start. We're not expecting any fire drills, so if the alarm bells do ring, please make your way down through the double doors and assemble on the grass circle, and our fire marshals will assist you from there. All mobile phones should be switched off, please, or silent, rather. And members, please be aware we are recording this meeting, so make sure your microphone is on before you speak. Okay, thank you very much. Um, any apologies for absence, Adam? And there's apologies for absence from councillors Lachlan and Riles. Thank you very much. Any declarations of interest, members? <coughs> yes, Mr Chairman, sorry. Councillor Freeman? Uh, Saffron Warden Town Council. Thank you. Councillor Fairhurst? The same. And Councillor Mills? Uh, application, applicants are known to me for uh, HF 1250, 1388, 1305 and 1401. There's a popular further. Right. Okay, thank you for those. Right, the minutes of previous meeting have been circulated. Can I sign those as a true record? Agreed. Yeah. Thank you. I shall do so. Uh, any matters arising? <coughs> Mr. Brown. Yes, Chairman. Um, on pages 6 and 7 regarding the FACTSID application, UTT 016-0171-FUL, um, one, one omission from the recommendation regarding the 106 is to uh, seek a monitoring payments to do with the 106. Um, that was omitted from the, from the recommendation, so um, I'd like that to be added if, if, if right. possible. That, that is a standard uh, item, uh, members, and that was an oversight on the previous application. Are you in agreement that that can be added into the 106 prior to issuing the consent? Agreed. Thank you very much. Mr Brown, you can do that. Thank you. Any other matters arising? No, finally, we're on to the first item of business today, which is item 4.1, application 16-1242. It's an application for full consent, and it's in Stansted, and Mrs Shoesmith will make the presentation for us. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. The application site um, is one that we've uh, seen before, uh, it's the Castle Maltings at Lower Street in Stansted. The applications for the variation of uh, condition uh, on the original uh, full application uh, to allow the use of the roof for residential amenity space with associated works and the erection of a bin store and the erection of, a sc of screening to the plant area. The application follows um, as a result of uh, uh, these elements uh, being refused as part of a previous non-material amendment application. The application seeks to change the use of the roof space uh, to be utilised um, as part of the propose, proposal for future residents um, of the scheme um, as amenity space. Um, this would incorporate a number of internal partitions uh, within the roof space um, so we've got here, here and here, and here, which are sectioned off for four uh, flats, and an area here which is proposed for open space. The plant uh, proposed to be screened is located here. Um, I'll go through the details um, regarding the screening in a second. Um, also, um, 
In terms of, um, as part of the scheme, but not directly as a result of the use um, of the amenity space, um, flooring has been specified for different areas um, within the roof space. Um, this would consist of uh, paving, timber decking and um, synthetic grass. In terms of the proposed materials, um, this would sit in line with the base of the glass screen, which currently um, has been erected um, for um, health and safety purposes around the perimeter of the site. Um, to give you an idea, this is the proposed um, materials, and it would sit literally in line with the base of the glass um, which has been proposed. In terms of the private amenity spaces, um, stated this would serve um, specific um, flats, four flats in total, but um, also the um, scheme as a whole. Also bearing in mind that a number of, of the flats have already got their own personal amenity space, um, which has been uh, approved as part of the original application, um, as well as um, the non-material application. So these are located um, around the sites and directly accessed from the individual flats. Um, in terms of the proposed screen, um, this is the plant area um, that's been constructed as part of the scheme. Um, we've got the stairwell which has been constructed, constructed which is located here. The proposed screen um, would sit at 2.5 metres in height for a section of, um, I think it's 24 metres that I've uh, outlined within the application. From this point here, it would drop down to 1.4 metres in height um, for the rest of the um, of the plant area, which is literally on the corner between the railway uh, line and the brook here, and the public car park, which sits uh, to the rear of the site. This is the elevation that you would see um, from the, I believe it's the western part of the site, um, overlooking the brook. Um, so you can see that uh, stepping in the actual proposed screen here. In terms of the bin store which has been proposed, um, that again is also located to the um, far rear corner of the building um, which sits um, adjacent to the public car park and the uh, railway line which is located um, here as well. It won't interrupt um, the parking within the uh, public car park and it would still allow for emergency and delivery vehicles to still access and serve the um, units on the ground floor. The um, screening of the bin store, uh, this is the elevation that you would see from the car park. Uh, it's proposed to be at a height of two metres um, with hit and miss um, fencing timber panels. Um, in terms of the overall scheme, um, the reps that have been received as part of the application, this has been outlined on pages 13 to 16 within the report. Members' attention is also drawn to the sub-reps which has been circulated, which uh, contains the conservation officer's um, response to the application. The main report discusses the principles of the scheme and its impact and the report concludes that the proposed development is considered to be acceptable. There will be no significant detrimental harm to the residential or visual amenities of the surrounding residential occupiers um, or the surrounding locality. 
um, including the character and appearance of the adjacent conservation um, area. The design and appearance of the proposed development is also considered to be acceptable um, in accordance with policy and subject to, uh, subject to recommended conditions. It is not considered that additional harm to the extent that Historic England um, have highlighted um, within their uh, response uh, would occur um, to the significance of the designated heritage. Um, little harm is considered um, would be, um, would be uh, as a result of the proposed scheme um, and the public benefit would still outweigh this harm um, based on the delivery of the medical centre um, and the scale um, that that would actually benefit and the viability of the scheme overall. Um, as I said, this has been supported by the conservation um, officers' representations which have uh, in the sub-reps. As a result, uh, approval is recommended subject to um, amended conditions which have been listed within the report. Also, in addition and amending amendment to the recommendation, the transfer of the original section 106 to travel um, from the original application and to be included as part of this, should this scheme be implemented. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Shoesmith. We have one speaker on this application, and that's the agent, Tom Sims. You have three minutes, Mr. Sims. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I'd just like to be very quick and to the point about this uh, and, uh, and read as follows. Following the previous committee meeting relating to the non-material amendments, as mentioned, you will recall we were all reminded by both Nigel Brown and the committee chairman, Councillor Ranger, that when visiting the site on that day, it was seen and witnessed by all members and made clear that there was no overlooking nor impact on the surrounding uh, roof from the surrounding rooftop and that there, uh, the two numbered cottages located by the access road were not impacted upon in any shape or form as confirmed by the owner occupiers. The fact is that the rooftop space had always been intended to be used for amenity way back when. This was discussed with the planning department prior to the application submission through the applicant Pelham structures in the early days who unfortunately failed to include the rooftop plan within the application at that time. That said, it was at that time understood that this would be an amendment to the application as advised by the planning department. I would like to take this opportunity to inform the community as to the reasons why the Castle Maltings rooftop had always been considered for amenity space and the use for the residential. As you will appreciate, through the initial planning process, the access road to the car park was identified as unsafe for pedestrians and not appropriate for two-car passing. As a result, my client agreed to increase the access road width and the pedestrian passageway in accordance with highways requirements, also providing a safe covered area within the development as part of the new development for the public to use when accessing the car park or retail space to the rear of the development for the good of all. The above all provided again for UDC uh, with the development replanning the overall car park site area, creating almost double the number of car spaces. This also provides benefits to Stanton Mount Fidget Castle, providing safe passage from the pre-planned uh, coach bays, which are now located near the castle main entranceway with clear turning areas for all vehicles. 
As a result of the above, the layout improvements to the car park entrance road um, impact upon the site footprint to such an extent that it was not feasible to provide amenity space at ground floor level. The above initiated the idea to make best use of the roof space, understanding that there was no other space available for the residents to use for amenity and breakout area. There are many examples across the country and more locally within Essex, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire where rooftop spaces have been provided and have been managed correctly um, under legal agreements. The roof amenity provides residents with a breakout area, space for them to effectively enjoy, take ownership of and achieve fresh air, open space and opportunity to socialise, maybe a coffee or a snack, etc. In conclusion, I would, as previously advised, remind you that very strict rules and regulations have been applied to the uses of the rooftop amenity through the purchase of legal agreements that can, in the unlikely event, be enforced, resulting in the owners losing the right to use that space um, on the amenity roof space. The programme is coming to an end. We're nearing completion. Um, and I can say that the building will be ready for occupation, not just for the doctor's surgery, but for all parties, including retail, by the end of September. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr Sims. OK, members, it's over to you. Any comments, questions? Councillor Mills. Uh, just very quickly, the material for the screening on the ground floor is timber. What's the material for the screening on the roof? Is it aluminium, and does it match to the existing brickwork? If you bear with me one moment, let's just have a quick look at plans. <laughs> I have actually put a condition on the details of materials to be submitted for approval. Okay, so it's not been specified? It has been specified, but I've still put a condition on there to okay. ensure that those materials will I be I just didn't want to see a timber fence up there, if you see what I mean. Yes. I, th I think one was proposed, um, but stated um, I've put the condition on there to ensure um, that there won't be a visual impact as a result of whatever's proposed. Okay, yeah, thank you. Uh, Councillor Fairbrass. No, 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 you carry on. Yeah, thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, what we're faced with here, it seems, is a balance between the harm to, to the environment versus the value of the development. And my concern is that we address this. We had the opportunity to visit the site. Um, it indeed was rather a large and, and, and somewhat um, out of place um, structure, but no doubt um, improved the conditions of parking, um, a medical centre was very valuable and so on. And I think at the time we all felt that it was a compromise worth being made, but we did feel that there was a question mark, a number of question marks outstanding, and, and one of them was the question of the amenity space on the roof. Um, looking just at the, at, the, at the case today, I think we have to understand that there are two separate stages here. At the time of our first compromise, it was about, uh, about the, the development's value versus the harm in, in that, at that time, and we, we, just, we fell on the side of going for it with a condition. Today, um, and I'm just looking at the, the, comp the conservation officer's response here on your, your supplementary representation, it says, I consider this additional work would not have significantly greater impact on the locality than the now mostly implemented developments. In other words, now that the, the deal has been done, now the damage has been done, we can't, you know, can't save much more to it. And it worries me that we, we do these things in stages and end up um, making more of a compromise than we initially bargained it for. Um, it's, it's, the second question for me is the question of development. At this stage, what we're looking at as, as improving or, or developing further the upstairs unit for amenity space, 
Well, in fact, there's no extra benefit derived from doing that. So it's not a question of harm versus benefit. Our benefit is there, the medical centre is there, the parking's being improved, and we agreed on that condition. So I will not be supporting this, this additional structure, which I feel is a compromise too far. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor. Any other comments, councillors? Councillor Freeman. <coughs> yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, as far as one can tell, this is uh, a wish to extend the roof amenity space, or at least tie it to a limited number of uh, the actual flats, presumably to improve their value, although uh, that's, that's not for this committee. But the point is that purchaser legal agreements are essentially unenforceable. I mean, they are in principally enforceable in law, but nobody bothers to enforce them. And so whatever agreements the purchaser signs up to, if they choose to ignore them, uh, it's very hard to actually persuade them to change their behaviour. So I don't think that we can be sure that this roof space will not be a nuisance uh, and remove the some of the amenity value from the historic site. Uh, and it is an extremely large, bulky construction already. That's a done deal, of course, but I certainly agree with my colleague, uh, Councillor Fairhurst, that this death by a thousand cuts is a very bad way to do planning, and uh, these small incremental changes are, I think, a bad principle. So I certainly don't feel I can support this application either. Thank you. Councillor Lodge? Um, yes, I, I, I agree with the, uh, the incremental problems that we're getting. We see it in a, in, a, in a lot of applications. I'm also concerned that at the last planning committee, or one before, we turned it down. And notwithstanding that, it comes, comes back again, particularly the amenities, the amenities space I'm concerned about. And, and, and I really don't like to, to, to see that. It seems as though... Um, it was the Irish attitude to the uh, European referendum. We'll carry on until you give us the right answer. So I feel disturbed by that. But if I can quote, and, and the, the agent mentioned that it was always intended that there would be the roof space there. If we look at um, historic England's comments, English heritage in those days, uh, they advised on the original application for this site. And to, to, to cut it short, that... Um, residential amenity space would cause further and unjustifiable harm the significance of the designated heritage and should be refused. So that was their view right at the start as opposed to what um, the agent was saying about the initial um, approaches. Uh, and then furthermore that um, they, they go on to, to sum up with their recommendation um, that would it would uh, outweigh any public benefits and can we be absolutely clear here in a way that I think Ms. Shoesmith wasn't in her summary that we're not saying that this application and this amenity space is coming as a cost for the delivery of the, uh, of the, uh, the public benefit being the, the surgery we have got the surgery from other concessions that have been made, possibly the larger building. Hence, this application is not generating public benefit. Can we have that completely clear when members vote? This does not give any public benefit whatsoever, and I shall certainly be voting against it. Thank you. I'm going to ask Mr Brown to uh, confirm something you said in your comments. Mr Brown. Picking up. Councillor Freeman's point, um, 
I don't want to get over pedantic here, but members considered a non-material amendment some week, months back. It was rejected, and it was rejected because it was considered material. And that was quite clear. It wasn't rejecting it in terms of saying, you can't do it, because I remember sitting here and saying, you're not actually considering it. The only discussion was whether it was material or whether it was non-material, i.e., does it matter enough for consultations to take place and for us to consider it in its planning merits. Members decided, and I think quite, 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 quite strongly, that it was significant enough for consultation to go through. Consultations have now been carried out, and you're now looking at a planning application where consultation has been behind, behind it. Um, so you haven't rejected it in principle. You've just said that it matters enough for it to be a material to be submitted an application. That's what's got in front of you. In terms of the public benefit, the whole of the building is a public benefit. It's, you know, the medical centre is part of it, the retail elements at the bottom, and actually the, the, the provision of flats and apartments at the very top. All of that is a benefit, and it all comes as a package. And that's part of, that's part of the, the, the judgment in terms of what members need to make in terms of whether there is harm, and secondly, whether that harm is big enough to, to, actually, to, to actually allow us to do it from the public benefit. And you have the view of the conservation officer's comments, which is the... the, the which are the critical comments here. Um, I'm not demeaning what the English Heritage have said. There were uninvited comments. There were comments that were submitted to us. Sorry, Maria may be able to clarify that. Um, yeah, just, uh, I just wanted to point out, in terms of English Heritage's original comments, these have been um, outlined on page 19 to 20, um, of which I want to point to paragraph 10.24. Uh, um, which states um, English heritage comments at the time, the revised des design, which is lower in height and adopts a more traditional articulated and textured elevation approach, has, been, has potential to create an opportunity, sorry, an appropriate addition to the sensitive townscape of this part of the conservation area. Um, site opportunity to development presents an opportunity to enhance the area. English Heritage welcomes this reduction in bulk and field. The overall form is appropriate way of handling the large development that is intended to bring wider benefits to the community, um, of which they've said they're unable to comment on um, the impact on the castle. However, reserved judgment um, would be made. Um, so just to say that they did not object to the original application. Okay, Sorry, just, uh, okay Mr Brown. One you. more point that was raised, I think by Councillor Freeman as well, in terms of the legal agreements between, obviously we have a freeholder and we have leaseholders of the flats. Um, yeah, quite often you have covenants on, on residential properties in terms of houses, and I agree, you know, there's covenants there and whether they're in, imposed or not. The people that would be affected by inappropriate behaviour in the roof, if you like, in terms of barbecues and parties and stuff like that, would be the residents themselves. No one else is affected by it because of that, where that particular issue. The people directly adjacent to it, the two people that are directly adjacent to this particular property in its own right, have raised no objections to this application. The people that are directly affected by it are the residents themselves, and that is where the covenant and the, and the controls come into it. And we don't need to worry about that because that's self self-controlling in terms of leasehold. And the difference here is it's a freehold of a building for which people will be buying leasehold. Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, having looked at this again after we turned it down last time, which I think we, we did quite rightly do so, um, I feel that there has been sufficient change on what's been put there. I think what's very interesting is that the Parish Council have no objections to it, um, and I would like to propose approval. Thank you. Does that find a second? Councillor Hicks, are you seconding? 
Second, it Would you like to speak now? Um, well, I'm, um, in coming to my conclusion, I'm relying on the, um, uh, the remarks of the conservation officer um, because of the low-key visual aspect impact on the propose, of the proposal on the adja adjacent conservation area. The resulting additional work would cause less than substantial harm. Uh, consequently, there should be no planning objections, and I, th I, I agree with those remarks. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst, do you want to come back? Yes, briefly, Mr Chairman, just to say that the people affected by what happens on top of the roof um, extend beyond the neighbours, because we all went there ourselves. We went on top of the hill to the old castle, um, and it was clear that this was, was, was an impingement on the historic feeling and nature of that place. So all the visitors who go to that castle will feel the same effects of someone barbecuing or whatever else people get up to on their space. Um, I think it is a problem, and I think it's a problem we, we be very careful not to, to overlook. Thank you. Um, Councillor Lodge, you want to come back? Yes, I'd like to come back with two corrections to the corrections, if I may. Um, the, the, on the initial application, uh, English Heritage uh, did object and said it, it should be refused. Uh, that's pretty clear under, under 8.2. And then, secondly, on a, on a point of logic rather than planning with, uh, with Mr. Brown, um, we are getting from this application no extra public benefit. Uh, the, the, um, uh, the, the, the building is built. The planning permission is there for what it is. As a result of granting this planning permission, I must repeat and insist, there is no public benefit. Thank you. Uh, my feelings are that um, some of the comments there were that we were increasing the bulk. Well, we're not increasing the bulk. What we're doing is actually hiding some unsightly bits of the existing bulk. Um, so that, that doesn't really come into it. And in the majority of cases, you won't see what's going on behind the screen or the balustrade. So, and, and the nearby residents, as has been pointed out, they've proved to themselves. They've been up on the roof and seen it for themselves. Um, and we are getting the surgery with a smaller building than was originally proposed. Um, so uh, that, that's not in doubt and that's not a, a consideration for us. Um, this, this building has given all of the public benefit that it could possibly give. Um, were we to extract, try to extract more from it, we would have jeopardised the application, in my view. So um, I'm quite prepared to uh, support the motion. If there are no other comments, we're going to go to the vote. We have a proposal for approval, and that's been seconded. Can we have a show of hands? All those in favour, please. And those against? Three. Uh, that application is approved. Thank you. Next item on our agenda is item 4.2, which is application 16-1065. It's details following outline grant. It's in Saffron Walden. And Mrs. Shoesmith again will make the presentation for us. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. The application uh, before us is for the Ridgeon site on Ashton Road within Saffron Walden. Um, I think many of us have um, um, remember the previous application for the actual Ridgeon store and the main, um, the main spine road 
which came uh, before the planning committee about a year ago for reserved matters. This application um, is for, again, reserved matters uh, regarding a section of the spur road within the um, proposed residential element um, of the outline scheme. Um, this is proposed to be taken off of the main spy road into the proposed residential scheme, um, but this is to allow for the, um, the first part of um, this phase to come forward a lot earlier whilst the details of the housing are still being resolved. So um, the matter before us is just purely to do with the access into the road, um, which has been similarly dealt with on other sites um, in the district. Um, the detail submitted shows the proposed ground levels, um, which vary against the existing. Um, I think if I show you that. Um, the proposal um, has, has amended the, um, the original submission for the, um, the road in itself to um, adoptable standards, so details of the pedestrian footpaths, the widths of the road, um, have been revised and agreed uh, with the Highways um, Authority. Um, as part of that, um, three parking spaces have been also included within this section of the road as well. Um, as stated, the proposed section of road will be to adoptable standards. Um, the details have indicated as well um, details of lighting, drainage, um, also uh, sewer easements and the location of the high pressure gas pipes which run throughout the whole site itself. Um, the principle of the development um, does not form part of this application. Um, as um, the outline has already been um, granted. The representations which have been received as part of the scheme have been outlined on pages 30 to 32 and um, fully addressed within the report itself. As part of the assessment, it's been concluded that there is no impact upon residential or visual amenity um, of the existing surrounding occupiers. There are no flooding, ecological or landscaping issues as, a, as part of this scheme um, and no objections have been um, raised by highways. As a result, the application has been recommended for approval. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Shoesmith. Uh, we have... Uh, a speaker objecting to the proposal, and that is Margaret Vendelberger. And you have three minutes. Thank you. Thank you, and good afternoon. I wish to make three points on behalf of the Vigier's Avenue Residence Group. First, the application is premature. If it's approved, it would effectively oblige the Council to grant planning permission for whatever subsequent applications to be proposed for any number of any number, type and size of housing on any associated open space. It then would be unreasonable for the Council to refuse any such proposal because it already approved the road. Hence, the granting of planning permission for the road should follow any subsequent approval for housing and open space. 
Second, Condition 12 requires road safety audits to be submitted to the Council which demonstrate that access to the main network, road network should, would be, in the words of the local policy GN1, access capable of carrying the traffic generated by development safely and that the traffic generated by development would be capable of being accommodated on the surrounding transport network. The legal ag agreement includes a contribution to fund a parking scheme along Ashton Road and enhancement to the mini roundabout at the top of the common or financial contributions towards the scheme. In order for both of these to be considered fit for purpose, they will need to comply with policy GN1, access, in the adopted local plan. Without such assurances in place, detailed planning permission should not be granted. Lastly, the area of open space, the what in front of regions was used extensively by local people and was well used football pitch for about 40 years. It, has the, it is the only such area of open space in the part of town which is why so highly valued and well used by the community. The previous case officer report stated that the current open space within the site is not protected by current local plan policies because the land is allocated for employment. That statement is not correct. Both local plan policy LC1 and NPPF make it crystal clear that such facilities should not be developed if there is a need for them. At the planning committee meeting, when the outline permission was granted, members were told that the policy did not apply in this case due to the playing fields being in private hands. But the text introduced in the policy says that applies whether the facilities are still in active use or whether through ownership, for example, it is not prevented. So clearly, policy LC1 does apply. Unless and until full and proper consideration is given to the amount, type and location of open space which is required by the residents of this part of town, it is not appropriate to approve this current application. I therefore urge you not to approve the proposed road. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the next speaker is the agent, Nikki Parsons. And you two have three minutes. Thank you, Chair. Councillors, the application before you today is for a small part of the internal access road, as you've just heard. It is to serve the residential element of the site, and you are being asked to approve the layout, scale and appearance of this relatively small part of the scheme. You are not being asked to approve the principle of the development or any details relating to the residential element of the scheme. The location of the road is consistent with the parameters of the approved outline scheme and the approved reserve matters on other parts of the site. It has been designed to reflect the wishes of the Highway Authority and takes into account the location of the oil pipeline, which effectively fixes ground levels in this location. This is explained in, de in detail in your officer's report and has been summarised in the presentation. I appreciate that you may be confused as to why this application for part of an internal road has come before you. It is simply to allow the technical approval process with the Highway Authority to commence and for the necessary Section 38 agreement to be completed in time for the construction of the residential units. This is a lengthy process and front-loading this work now means that there is no delay in implementing any subsequent reserve matter approval for the residential parcels. And on that committee I can tell you that my client has finalised the details for the residential parcels and intends to submit these for your consideration in the next two to three weeks. 
I'll now address the concerns that you've just heard from the speaker. Prematurity. Councillors, you'll recall that the location of the various residential uses within the site and the quantum of residential units on this site is already fixed by the Outline Planning Permission. And as such, the location of the residential parcels and the number of units has already been determined. The approval of this internal access road will not alter that and will not prejudge any decision that you choose to make on that reserve matter application. Loss of open space. Again, this is a matter that was considered in detail at the outline stage and was dealt with then. It is not up for renegotiation at this stage for this particular application. And finally, the capacity of the road network. Councillors, as I know you are aware, this is not a relevant issue for the determination of this small part of the internal access road. This is a matter that was addressed at the outline stage and any subsequent conditions attached to that outline are being addressed by the developers of the main site. Members, you have before you an application that is without technical objection and, is explained, as explained in your office, by your officer, complies with the relevant development plan policies. That is the relevant issue for you here. There is no compelling reasons to reject this application, and I therefore respectfully request that you accept your officer's recommendation and approve planning permission for this proposal. Thank you, Mrs. Parsons. Um, Mr. Brown, do you need to add anything regarding the LC1 and MPPF implications that have been aired by both sides? I would only say that the agents put it very succinctly there in terms of where we're actually sitting. It's a very straight, it's a very simple application for an internal access road, and that's all that it is. Um, every, a lot of stuff has been secured by the outline in terms of the quantum and the, where, the, where the residential will be and the, the, nice, the important details of the residential development will come forward later um, and the reasons why this has come forward slightly earlier than the rest of it have also been given and they're very valid reasons as well so uh, there's nothing else to add Chairman Thank you Mr Brown um, my initial reaction to something that the first speaker mentioned was that by approving this we actually guarantee uh, approval of the uh, reserve matters for the types and sizes and positions of housing. One comment, you don't know this committee. <laughs> That's not necessarily the case. Um, we, each application comes in on its merit and we're quite uh, used to throwing stuff back uh, that doesn't suit us. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Sorry, just a point of clarity, Mr Chairman. Um, the question raised by the first speaker in terms of the football field and ownership, could I just ask for clarity on that, please? <coughs> the, football, the, the matter about the football pitch was considered regarding the outline, and members and the application was considered, and the approval was given for residential consent. Um, the issue about the provision of the open space, whether or not it was the re... It's not for this application, I should add, but the, it's been covered by the outline, but also in terms of whether or not that football pitch or any alternative or any open space provision, that would need to be secured in terms of the reserve matters application for houses. We're approving no houses on this application, and the open space would not be going where we're talking about the internal road access here. So we're exactly the same position as we were before, only that the developer can get on and start doing the internal road. Sorry, I'm just asking for a response to explain the ownership of the football field. I'd, I'd hate to think it would be misled, and I just want to understand the, that. The football pitch has nothing to do with this application whatsoever. It has, it has absolutely nothing to do with this application whatsoever. It's within the ownership of the Ridgins developers, and I'm not sure whether that's transferred across to the developer or not, but it's not for this application. It's, it's, and it's not on where this internal road access here. This application does not prejudice any delivery of the housing and it does not prejudice any delivery or non-delivery of any open space. That is for a later date when we're doing the reserve matters. 
Mr. Chairman, can I ask just please if we could just ask the, the Speaker 1 to explain that again. The statement was made in Speaker 1 that in fact the state, that, that in the original application which we all approved on, on given information that the, the open spaces were in fact because they were privately owned they were no longer available to the public and the statement made today was that in fact that wasn't the correct, the correct case. I just need clarification on that before we move forward. The open space is in public ownership, in private ownership. That's all I can clarify on that particular issue. And I don't really want to reopen the discussion about the open space because it's absolutely irrelevant to the application we're discussing here. And that will be a discussion we have when we deal with the reserve matters for the housing on the site, I'm sure, but that's not for a discussion here. Okay, thank you. Uh, Councillor Freeman. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, thank you, Chairman. Um, this application is in my ward. <laughs> for which I'm both a district and a town councillor, so I have a particular interest in it. Um, but before we deal with the application, which is unusual, and we saw the original plans for this in large paper copy, and it's remarkably detailed. They're the sort of plans that the actual contractor would use uh, to actually put the road in place. And I've never seen anything like that come before a planning committee before, which is quite interesting. But... First of all, uh, a point of information. I believe that that pipeline is in fact an oil pipeline. I don't believe it's a gas pipeline. It services the oil tanks and it carries aviation spirit. I believe that is the fact. Second point, if you go to page 30, I'm working off the paper copy, uh, so it's item 8.1, wherever that is if you're looking on a computer, and it's headed Fisher German. Comments received pre and post amendments stated the following 8.1 No objection raised. Now, that is at variance with one of the documents which is on record <coughs> by Fisher German. Uh, it's dated the 23rd of June 2016. It's headed CLH Pipeline System. And if you access this document, uh, you will see. Uh, that it uh, says um, such works would require the consent from a CLH pipeline system and in this instance consent would not be granted on the proposed access road would restrict, restrict access to the pipeline both for routine maintenance and in an emergency situation. So that seems to me a conflict. First of all we're told in the officer's report that there are no objections. But here, on your own records, is an objection from the owner of that pipeline. That seems to me an open and shut case. We shouldn't be considering this. Or has there been some other communication which is not on the record for some reason, which we are not yet privy to? The applicants will, or developers, will need a separate consent. Um, in terms of um, they will need to apply for a separate consent whether it's granted or not that's outside of the, the planning aspect they still even if we were to grant the consent they still need their approval to be able to implement this scheme um, in terms of the finer details um, so in terms of um, whether they'll grant their separate consent that's an aside but in terms of the application itself, no objection has been raised as such. Yes, come back. Um, 
I think that's something of a moot point, but I'm not a lawyer, nor am I a planning officer, so I'm, I'm happy to defer on this matter. It, does, it is, however, unusual. I, I've heard of hall roads being put in, this so you can get your equipment, machinery, materials into place to do the building. This is not a hall road. This is the finished article. If you look at the plans, they're extremely highly specified. So why is the developer or the owner putting in place consent for a highly finished road, which has one, two, three, four points off it, and a fifth one in the lower right-hand corner. And the, the thing that concerns me, Chairman, I don't accept that this does not fix, to some extent, the design of the site. It must do, because if you put in place a highly finished and very expensive piece of highway, you're not going to change it, simply because when we look at the substantive applications, we decide that the houses aren't in the right place. Also, Chairman, I think the agent was incorrect or misleading by saying that the numbers have been fixed. The numbers haven't been fixed. There's outline consent for a certain number of dwellings and some other items. We all know, and in this committee, we very frequently see, Chairman, people coming back and saying, oh, we can't make any money out of this. We need to put a few more houses in, or we need to put this in, or we need to put that in. It's open to a substantial expansion in the number of dwellings on this site. <clears throat> and I think we all understand that. So, Chairman, what I, I, I object to this. It's an odd sort of application. Let's by all means see the substantive applications uh, for houses. But this is an application for a highly developed piece of road. There must be a reason for that. I'm sorry, I'm always suspicious of things like this. But what I would ask, Chairman, and ask of this committee, is that if we end up granting this, that we impose a Grampian condition upon it, the Grampian condition to say that this development does not go ahead until the rest of the development has been agreed. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. I'm going to take advice on that last request of yours, please, Mr Brown. You should also remember that this is a reserve matters application that relates to an outline plan mission where there are trawls of gramping conditions on it. Um, um, this is different to previous applications we've had elsewhere in, I think we've had one, there was one that we all come to mind in Saffron Warden, which was a, an application that came in for a full application. Again, I don't think there was anything suspicious about that particular application either, but that was a freestanding application, not a, a reserve matters application, and on that one we had to link it to an original. This is linked already because it's a DFO attached to an outline permission. And in terms of the reasons why this application has been submitted, okay, that is not something that really should trouble members in terms of why an application has been put in. But the agent has put through the reasons why that is put through. It is to be able to... Any issues involving the Highway Authority, as we all know in terms of trying to get things lined up, have to be properly um, lined up beforehand. And it's best to give that start, a start on that uh, before we actually start talking about houses coming. There are a number of applications and developments within this district that have been held up. I'm not blaming the Highway Authority because there are nice highway requirements that need to be secured and, it's, and, it's get, and they will not operate until there's, a full, until there's a permission in place for a particular layout. This doesn't compromise whatsoever any of the housing behind it. Um, this has an access to a particular part of the site, which will actually then mean that there will be houses on it. We all know there's going to be houses on it, um, and it will not prejudice the layout at all. It would just mean influence how that layout is actually accessed. And so I don't think members should trouble themselves on the application. It's exactly what's in front of them, and it is a way of delivering development in a, in a much more comprehensive and thought-out process. And this particular developer has done that in previous applications elsewhere in the district. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Mills. 
<coughs> Thank you, Chairman. Um, we often get berated for not putting the infrastructure in place before. We've actually got a uh, developer here who's thinking a little bit ahead and actually putting the access roads in the right place to start with. Um, he won't be finishing the top surface, so he'll leave it like a lot of these so the top surface can go in later. So the infrastructure is put in underneath, which he needs. So he's not doing it twice. This is sensible planning, and it's the right thing that should be coming before us, and I'll be supporting this application. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst, you want to come back? I'll come back to you. Sorry, Mr Chairman, just a small point. And I, think so. I think this is addressed to the planning officers themselves. We in this committee act on, on, on recommendations given by yourselves and you need to, to, to follow the instructions given. And quite honestly, I have a problem. I think we all need to have a problem here. The statement is in 8.1 that, that my colleague mentioned was no objection raised. Um, and you cannot define it any other way. We must therefore object. Is in the piece of paper there. We must therefore object. There is an objection raised. Now, it's a question of detail, and it's maybe a small detail, but we have to be, like Caesar's wife, above reproach. An objection was raised and asked for rectification at the very least. This is not how we do business. I would remind, sorry, Mr. Brown, before you jump in, I would remind councillors that outline consent has been given. All of the points that have been raised were considered at that outline um, stage and fully rehearsed and discussed. And, and we know that they have to get permission from the pipeline systems operator. But that's nothing to do with us. That's, that's the developer's risk. He won't build any of this access road if we approve it until he's got that consent from the pipeline system operator. Now, that's clearly in 8.1. So we don't need to look at any other documents. It's there for us. The, whatever adaption he has to make to this to satisfy the systems people will need to come back to us so that we can uh, agree the modification. Uh, who had their hand up? Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I've um, very much in agreement with what I've heard from Councillor Mills and uh, to me, this is just um, um, moving forward um, as, um, in an agreeably prompt fashion a development that we should be getting on with. And uh, um, as far as I'm concerned, I, I would like to uh, propose that we um, approve this uh, uh, application. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Mills, seconded. Thank you. Do you wish to speak again on that? No, no thank you. Uh, so we have a proposal for approval. It's been seconded. Um, all those in favour, please show. Five. And those against? Three. That matter is approved. Thank you. The next item on our agenda is item 4.3, application 16-1251. It's a listed building application at High Easter, and Mrs Marshall will make the presentation for us. Thank you. Okay, the application is for listed building consent for the proposed raising of a chimney stack and for the retention of extensions which have been built not in accordance with previously approved planning drawings. The site comprises of a Grade 2 listed building located on the street in High Easter. The character and appearance of the, um, of the original dwelling is one of a... Um, 
single-storey dwelling with a steeply pitched thatched roof um, which allows for accommodation in the roof space. The rear... Uh, yes, sorry. So that, that is what has been built um, and is currently on site. The eastern uh, rear extension, which is that one there, has been built with eaves above the eaves of the thatched, the original thatched roof, um, which has allowed for a shallower pitch on the roof. Uh, this has resulted in an extension which has a bulky appearance, which is not subservient to the listed building and is overpowering and dominant. This undermines the architectural character of the uh, listed building and fails to accord with Uttlesford local policies. There is no clear justification demonstrating that the harm to the listed building is outweighed by any public benefit and therefore it is recommended that the, listing, that the listed building application be refused. Uh, and there is a um, photograph from, taken from the street and you can see the extension as it has been built. Then we've got another one from the side. Yes. Thank you. Um, we have one speaker, that's the applicant, and that's Matt Ovenden. You have three minutes, Mr Ovenden. Okay. Uh, our as-built applications here today reflect one main difference in the built project from our approved plans, which is the pitch of the rear lounge and garden room extensions built at 35 degrees instead of 45 degrees. I'd like to make clear that we did not set out to contravene the approved design for any gains or any reason at all, and this has happened more as a consequence of issues encountered on the build than anything else. Contrary to some comments in the report, the current building is not very similar to earlier refused applications, which has a ridge height over 600 millimetres higher than this than we currently have. Also, we did not uh, do this to accommodate any internal layouts, and the dorm is not significantly different in any way to the approved design. Uh, our building is within the correct footprint and ridge height of the approved design. We very much uh, made sure that was the case, with the sole difference being the pitch of the roof, which is shallower than the original design. I'd like to dismiss any notions that we've deliberately reverted to an earlier design because this is absolutely not the case. The size of the current building shows that. Uh, the part of the building in question has, has been standing for nearly a year now and nobody has objected to it. The parish council admit to not having noticed it until this application was brought forward. No one has commented on it. No one has objected to this application or, comment or commented on it to retain it. The as-built. Uh, in short, therefore, we do not believe it has contributed a particularly noticeable or detrimental visual impact on the cottage or the street scene. Fortunately, our local counts, ward councillor, Susan Barker, agrees with us, and hence why the application is at committee seeking your support today. Uh, this is one of the last pieces of an ambitious restoration project we've undertaken on the cottage since we bought it nine years ago as a young couple. As noted by the conservation officer, we've significantly improved the cottage's design overall, removed numerous unsightly previous extensions. Uh, we've completely rethatched and renovated the property. We've spent around £250,000 improving the property to significant public gain. We don't intend to leave this cottage. It's our life. It's our life's project improving it. 
the, pro the prospect of this application not being approved today is, is nothing short of horrifying to us as the roof pitch in question cannot be easily or simply addressed and would mean that we must completely remove the lounge and garden room roofs costing not less than £50,000 plus we'd have to do that whilst living there with our young family of three children under five or we may be forced to move out. I'd like to make a plea for committee members today based on the notion the extension as built looks intrinsically attractive, has been constructed of attractive high quality materials and does not detract from the character and appearance of the original listed cottage or the wider street scene. I'd ask members to put themselves in my position and ask themselves if they think that in truth it looks fine, if the difference in the way that it's been constructed is really inconsequential, if the cottage looks terrific and whether it's really necessary to put myself and my family through such upheaval and suffering for no imperative material gain in the public interest. Thank you, Mr. Ovent. You may sit down. Thank you. Right, members. Uh, questions and comment? Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you. Um, clarification, really. The photograph that we're looking at, which part of that is the original and which part of that is the new, please? Fine. Sorry. The, um, this is the original cottage. It did have um, dilapidated extensions to the rear. Um, unsure of the, when they were constructed. Um, so is the building on the, the construct on the left, is that new? Yes. And is that the part that we're talking about? Yes. Okay. In that case, uh, I mean, I've modernised lots of houses myself over the years and uh, this is a dreadful situation to be in uh, if you're the owner. Uh, and I, I'm sympathetic. Uh, but on the other hand, consents are consents and I am always resistant speaking personally now, to retrospective applications when one has not basically followed the plans. Can I ask of the officers, please, what remedy is available here? Because I'm sympathetic with it, the fact that it's a person's home, they've thrown money at it, they've thrown effort, uh, energy at it, uh, and it's not for us to simply trash all of that. What remedy is available uh, to uh, both the council and therefore the applicant? Well, the, ult <coughs> Sorry. the ultimate sanction is obviously an enforcement notice, a list of building enforcement notice. We are not asking for the um, extension to be demolished. Um, the, the applicant was quite right in saying that I think the footprint is, is, is the same, that all the issues are regarding the roof. The two, well, the critical issue is the height of the eaves. Um, the height of the eaves has resulted in the eaves being too high, which means the, the roof is too shallow. And, uh, and I think the issue is the ridge isn't higher than it should be. I think that's the, that's the same issue in terms of what the applicant has said. So it's all about the roof. But I do appreciate there is a considerable amount of work the applicant would have to do. I mean, it does require, it's not just taking the roof off and put it back on again. Obviously, there needs to be some internal works. But that is the remedy. The remedy is, is actually to go back quite a few steps, quite a lot of the expense, and to improve the pitch, but I think this is a critical issue in terms of trying to achieve that the, the listed building application, um, it, it has damaged a heritage asset here in terms of what's happened, so that's the right. So we're not actually talking about the demolition, but there is quite a lot of wholesale unengineering that's required in order to accommodate it. It's more than just taking the roof off and put it back on again. I, I would make a further suggestion. Uh, I, I think there could possibly be an answer uh, 
um, that doesn't go quite that far. Um, and it, I think it's something that I would like to suggest is put forward to our listed building officer is to turn that existing roof over the extension, um, extending it with a steeper pitch piece added on to a mask that large expanse of render and actually turn that roof into a mansard roof. Um, and, and I think there's a possibility there that that could soften this um, in the eyes of the conservationist. Sorry, just going to come back on that. I don't think we should be redesigning it, but there are solutions. Um, and ironically, those solutions themselves would need listed building consent in order to bring that forward. And I'm not saying if members were refusing this today, and I would still recommend that you do that, the applicant is not going to receive an enforcement notice potentially tomorrow, or may, they may, but the, the whole idea is to work through to frame a new listed building application as a solution. And it's not necessarily going to result in the perfect situation as far as we're concerned, but we've got to get to a situation which is better for all round and is achievable. And that's through a framed new submission, possibly coupled with an enforcement notice, so we've got a, so we've got a time frame in terms of bringing it forward. Uh, but the starting point to that is, is the refusal of this application, unfortunately. Thank you, Mr Brown. Uh, Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Mr Chairman. First of all, I should um, declare an interest. I live in a listed building, so um, having lived around here all my life, I, I mean, I know lots of these properties around the district, and unfortunately, over a period of time, lots of them have been completely spoiled. Now, that's a personal view, but it's all very well for the applicant to say I've thrown money at it or what have you, that is not the principle at stake. The whole point being is that, that you, you have a listed building, and that's a lovely little cottage, and it was a little college, cottage, which is now a big one. That's not for us to decide today. But when you have permission to do something with a listed building, you have got to stick to it. Now, if a resolution can be found, then I'm all in favour of that, but I don't want the applicant going away, selling, I'm going to be very rude now if I'm going to say it, selling a property in five years' time, go to another property and do the same again. Because I've seen that happen on lots of occasions too. But I, I think if there can be a resolution whereby it's not completely knocked down, then that would be the sensible way forward. But it's going to cost money to put it back to what somewhere where it needed to be. I'm sorry, but that was the applicant's risk when he put it up. Uh, any further comments? Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman, it's a very difficult one because I'm not sure to an I remit to decide what the applicant does if he's rejected or approved. Um, and I think we're trying to assuage our conscience because we take him on his word that this was done by mistake. Um, the issue surely is whether he has destroyed the cottage in a way that destroys the landscape and, and so on. And I must confess, um, and I also have a list of building, um, the, if you look at the photograph from the street where people are going to see the house, you see the cottage. Um, and it isn't that, well, sorry, I may be negative, it isn't that bad. Um, yes, I agree we should be fairly um, ferocious in our, in our um, um, adherence to historic norms and things. But if you consider the applicant in the terms that we have in, in front of us and not 
imbuing him with any special special interest or vested interest or or male fide. I suspect he's in a bit of a pickle right now, um, and we've got, to, we've got to take it as it stands. And I must confess, I am not that clear about this decision. I don't think that the, the building is destroyed at all. Yes, it, the, the, the old cottage no longer is a small cottage, but the front is kept. The, 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 the nature of the creature still is there. And I would be minded to make a very special exception in this case, particularly because it's a unique situation. If it destroyed the cottage itself, not so much. And if the, if the, if the applicant is minded to make it look a little bit less offensive on the sides with mansard roof or whatever, that's great. But the decision is a difficult one. It's not that simple. I don't think I'd be prescriptive or, or, or dogmatic of the process. That's my view. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Brown is going to uh, offer some. I would, I would start saying about welcome to mine and Sarah as well. This is enforcement. These are, these are very difficult decisions and decisions you make regarding refusing retrospective applications, that's the implications and we shouldn't shy from that. And by not doing that, where you have got clear recommendations from your conservation officer, is a very dangerous thing that can, be, can be come back to you. We're not saying that the building has been destroyed because the building... We would be in a different, completely different situation if that had been the situation. We'd be potentially looking at prosecutions. We'd be looking at all sorts of things, and that would be very. And we're not in that situation. We're in a position whereby works have been carried out to a building which we've allowed works to a building, but these just haven't been worked with accordance. It is retrievable, uh, and it is retrievable. But unfortunately, that will cost the applicant some money. But the starting point, I would say, is all you need to do is, is refuse permission here, and then we can then work with the applicant. Through, through the carrot and the, st the stick at the same time in terms of actually the enforcement notice and negotiating with them. And this is quite a lot of this is happening a lot. The building hasn't been destroyed, but we need to get it back as, as the heritage asset that it, that it is. Councillor Lodge. Um, thank you. A couple of points. Firstly, to say, Mr Chairman, I, um, I'm very sympathetic to your, your idea. I think that the, the, the main visual impact is that large blank area of wall and, and, and I would think that if that can be, can be changed with the Mansard style roof I think that would, that would work well and I would be inclined to support that possibly then at a future meeting. Um, one question was uh, then really uh, how did it go wrong? Um, my my uh, experiences have been of building inspectors who have looked pretty closely at the work as it's gone along and as it should be with a, a building of this uh, importance. Uh, do we know how and why it went wrong? Uh, no, in, in short. Um, that was a question of the officers. <laughs> but they, I've already asked that. <laughs> um, this is... This, ha this work has been carried out under, under the, uh, not the direction, under the supervision of the Council's building control team. The matter has full building control, full regulation. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it's full plans or if it's, it's full plans, is it? So it has been approved by the building control team, um, which means it's stable, which means it's, it's safe, it's livable, it's up to building standards. That's not an issue. There would appear to be a disconnect between what's happened in building control and what has happened within the planning, which we need to look at that internally. That still doesn't justify the fact that we have a building control, well, a building control application that has been sorted out that is contrary to the Planning Act, and it is not for the building control process to ensure that the planning process is done. But there is a disconnect, but it shouldn't be lost that the applicant has carried out works not in accordance with a planning permission that has been previously granted and a list of building consent that has been granted. Yes, Councillor Lodge. Are we allowed to ask the, uh, the applicant why he did it? Uh, no. 
It's, it's, um, we, we can't ask that question. It's unfair of him. Um, and it, it's not of our concern, basically. We are here to decide whether this as-built application uh, can be justified. And uh, the mitigating circumstances that might be put forward are not for us to, to make judgment upon. Councillor Hicks. Uh, thank you, Chairman. Um, <clears throat> really, it's, um, my opinion revolves about what we've just been discussing, and that is I, I, I'm having some difficulty with understanding how a mistake of this uh, magnitude can occur in a development which has been so um, going on over a lengthy period with in uh, very detailed discussions between the planners and the conservation officers and everyone else they've all been involved how could we finish up in this situation with without and, and I'm, I'm driven to say without some uh, somebody appreciating along the way somewhere that this was going to finish up um, being uh, other than in accordance with um, the planning permissions and uh, uh, I do have difficulty with that I'm afraid. Uh, can I ask Mrs Marshall um, did mention earlier about whether there is um, an example of that elevation as, as approved? This is the 2013 approved scheme. So the elevation we're looking at is the bottom right of the top row, top two rows, the, the bottom of the second row down. Yep. Thank you. So if you can see, members, there's quite a marked difference in in the eaves height. Fine. Okay. Thank you. Um, any more comments from members? Uh, Councillor Chambers. I'm not going to be very popular, Mr. Chairman, but I'm, I'm not popular anyway, so I'm not taking that into account. Uh, with regard to what has been said, and that it is likely that something could be um, helpful to the applicant and the council in a way of trying to overcome this difficulty, I would propose refusal. I don't know whether there is any way that we can put something in there to help. Is that possible? I don't believe there is anything we can put in writing. Mr Brown? I think members in their discussions about what's wrong, if you like, with the development, have hit upon the, what the issue is. The issue is too much wall, not enough roof, to be quite frank. And, and I think that's the starting point. Um, and, and I think that is the... And, but, you know, you need to make a difficult decision beforehand, and then that will open it up. And mm -hmm. there's clearly, we know where we want to get to, and I think we can get there. Um, but uh, the starting point is the difficult decision. Then, Mr Chairman, I would propose refusal. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Hicks, seconded in that? Seconded, Chairman. Thank you. I'm just wondering whether, before we go to the vote on that, members, whether or not there is scope, and I'm going to have to ask, lean on Mr Brown for this, um, 
whether there is scope for a deferment whilst consideration is given to uh, rescuing the situation that we could approve um, to save having another uh, refusal logged against this building's history. Well, that's a decision for members at the end of the day, but um, I, would, I would urge you not to. Um, but um, by deferring it, I don't know what would achieve in that time period, because this would require uh, a considerable amount of work in terms of, um, not work, both from the applicant and from our conservation officers in terms of coming up with a way forward, which would have to frame a listed building consent, which wouldn't be this one. This is a listed building application as built, and I think we'll be looking at a, a new application. Um, now, by serving a listed, a listed building enforcement action and refusals are not like a criminal record. They are they're actually there. And, and so, therefore, by submitting those, but that also gives the appellant the right, that, well, the applicant, the right of appeal. And so, by refusing permission, the applicant has the right of appeal. And now, I'm not saying by serving the enforcement notice that does them a favour, but that gives them the right of appeal. Uh, and that can, that can go down with ways whilst we're having an ongoing discussion in terms of the way forward. By deferring it, it just leaves it there. And I don't think we will be able to achieve a rev you know, something, because we're talking about retrospective application here and it's a listed building, there's a lot of work that would need to be done in order to achieve. And I don't think we'll be gaining any time by doing that. Um, time isn't of the essence, and in terms of any enforcement notice, would have a reasonable, a very long, long stop period. You know, you know, usually when you've got a major application, you'd, you'd be talking a matter of months. This would be a very long period in terms to allow, uh, uh, to allow achievement in terms of compliance. But meanwhile, a list of building application behind it could catch up. Um, so I don't think deferring it would actually solve that problem. Okay, I, I understand that. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go to the vote, uh, Mr. Ovenden. Um, I think you, well, I can't prejudge anything. We'll see what happens. But I, I hope that you've gained uh, an impression that there's a lot of sympathy on this committee for your situation. Um, and if it can be resolved between yourselves and uh, the listed building officers, if this does get refused, then. Um, a future application may well fare better. So, members, we have a um, proposal for refusal, and that's been seconded. So, all those in favour of refusal, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. Those against? One. And that application is application. refused. Yep, thank you. And now the next item on the agenda is 4.4, which is the same house, um, application 161250. Um, this is for planning consent for the as-built details. Um, and Mrs Marshall is going to give us the presentation. Thank you. Um, I'm not going to say too much more other than following on from the list of building application um, in planning terms, the design scale and bulk of the extension, um, predominantly that wall, um, has resulted in a dominant and visually intrusive extension which does not respect the original dwelling or the list of building and that has also recommended, has been recommended for refusal. Thank you. Uh, Mr Ovenden, do you wish to speak to this one? You have three minutes if you wish. 
we have exercised all the points that need to be considered on the application. Well, come forward and use the microphone. We're cool here. Um, if there is a better solution, that would be welcomed. But we've kind of been told by Barbara Bosworth that a mansard may not be acceptable. Um, we've looked at it, we've stood there with Sarah and Barbara and looked at it, and she said the only thing you can do is lower the entire roof, which is, as I said, uh, hugely expensive. Um, the reason it happened is it was, it was uh, to do with where the datum of the walls was taken from. There was a miscommunication between the builder and the architect. He built the walls to the right height. We've got different ground levels, the patio, the roads, the garden. If you see our property, you see there's four or five different ground levels. And he took the datum ultimately from the wrong place, we now know, built the walls, and he, the ridge height was going to be too high. And we thought the main concern was the ridge height more than anything else. We're most concerned with that. That's been mentioned as a really important, sensitive thing, the ridge height. So we kept the ridge height where it must be, and that had the effect of making the pitch shallower. We made sure the footprint was correct and the ridge height was correct, and these were our main concerns. Um, it, other than you know, having to go right back to the start of the build, this was the best we could do as we were in the situation we were in partway through the build. Um, we, we, we didn't appreciate there would be such sensitivity over the pitch of the roof. Partly because we've already built that one of the, the, the left-hand ridge, you can see there, the kitchen uh, was built with a similar pitch, and Barbara didn't have an issue with that, and nor did the listing building, building control team. So we'd kind of, we actually thought if we mirrored this, the 30 degrees as well, it wouldn't be too problematic. We thought the main issue was the ridge height and the footprint. So. That was how it came about, uh, to explain that side of it. Um, we've talked about different solutions with Barbara, but there is no quick fix, as I said. Uh, there's no easy way forward. And we're living in a house with it unfinished, and we don't want this to go on for years. We really don't, because um, we've we're we're been living in an unfinished room for a year already. Um, I'd welcome suggestions and help to uh, find new solutions, but I don't think there are any that Barbara has said are feasible other than to rebuild the entire roof with a 45 degree pitch with the same ridge height and we know that means removing most of the walls, the whole gable end window, the dormer and rebuilding the whole lot. We seem to be faced with that as... Yes, I that's, that's obvious from looking at the... Uh, uh, we're hoping the situation and that consider it as, as it currently looks, is it, is it really ruining the property? or not, and is it visually acceptable? Our ward councillor thought it was very visually acceptable. No one else has commented or said it's not visually acceptable. And uh, we were hoping that, that, that there could be a view taken on it. And we would apologise for the outcome because it was not deliberate. We're not callous developers. It's come out like this through the issues on the build. Uh, it's not deliberate, I can assure you. We're hoping um, there will be a level of uh, sympathy to the situation we're in. Right. Okay. Thank, thank you, Mr. Ovenden. Um, do members want to make any further comment, uh, Councillor Freeman? Get a bit nearer your microphone, please, Richard. Yeah, get nearer to it. Oh, sorry. 
Thank you. Yeah. Um, briefly, there are devices to make the new part and the old part work together, and you might be able to use those devices here. Uh, one is to separate the buildings, apparently, as you know. You pointed this out in an ancient building that we looked at not long ago, and it was quite successful, I think. And the other one would be to extend that roof down. Um, some old farmhouses have roofs that go a long way down, the eaves go a long way down towards the ground, and they look quite nice and it would be an interesting feature on this. But that's just one of several things you could do. If a mansard roof is not an option, I don't like them very much anyway. So, but, you know, hey, we are where we are. Thank you. Any uh, councillor chambers? Just, Mr Chairman, I would uh, propose refusal. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Hicks, thank you. So we'll go to the vote on that then, please, members. Uh, we have a proposal for refusal of the planning application. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. And against? One. And one abstention. Thank you very much. So that application fails also. Thank you. The next item on our agenda is 4.5, which is application 16-1388, a householder application in High Easter again, and Mrs Denmark will make the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. This is um, an application in relation to this building here, which is an outbuilding to a property known as Hilly Lee. Hilly Lee is a listed building, um, and just to set the context, this is a listed building here, this is a listed building here, and this is a listed building here. So the, the area around here is all, list, uh, the majority of the buildings here are listed or curtilage listed. And in addition, it's a conservation area. The proposal is for the erection of 16 PV panels to go on the southern roof slope of this building here so the one that is facing the listed building it is visible from the highway and um, the um, the uh, building is it's not it's a very old building as well as being curtilage listed and the conservation officer has raised the issue that they don't have any objection to solar panels in principle, but they need to be discreetly located and not cause harm to the setting or the significance of heritage assets, which includes listed buildings and conservation areas. And their view is that in this instance, it would cause harm to the appearance and setting of the listed buildings and it would be visible from the surrounding conservation area. So in this instance, the harm to the setting of the heritage assets would not be outweighed by the public benefits arriving from the, um, the scheme. So therefore, it is proposed that the planning permission is refused um, on the, uh, for the reasons as set out in the agenda. Thank you, Mrs. Demart. We have no speakers, so uh, members, uh, comments, please. Councillor Lodge. Thank you. I wonder, did I miss this visit? Did I, have we arranged a visit for this one? No. no. Um, yep, yeah, okay. Well, yes, can we have a look at 
maybe get a feel, but I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to propose a deferral until we, uh, until we have a look at it. Does that find a seconder? Uh, Councillor Fre uh, Freeman seconds that motion for deferral, so we'll go straight to the vote on that. All those in favour of deferral to occasion a site visit, please show. And those against? Three. So we'll defer that matter for a site visit and by implication do we defer the listed building yeah. approval as an application as well. So those two applications, <coughs> items 4.5 and 4.6 are deferred. Just a point Mr Chairman, it's Hilly Lay. Hilly Lay, not Hilly Lee, okay? You know what these, Essex, you know what these Essex girls are like. <laughs> Right, item 4.7 on our agenda, application 16 stroke 1401. It's a listed building application at Saffron Walden, and Mr. Brown will give us a presentation. Thank you. Uh, well, it's probably a loose word presentation. Uh, this is regarding uh, a listed building application within this building, within the council's, within the planning meeting room at the very top floor. Um, it's a like for like. People who have been in that will remember that there are some. Um, roof light windows in there they are shot to pieces to be quite frank they're going to be replaced like for like and uh, there are no objections from the council's conservation officer and there's no objections from um, natural england uh, historic england historic england do comment on the council's own applications to grant themselves this to building consent so i think it's very uncontroversial and the application is recommended for approval chairman Thank you, Mr. Brown. Uh, any comments from members? Councillor Freeman. Yeah, I'm sorry about this. Can <laughs> you just show us the plan again, please? And can you show us where on that plan these roof lights are going to be? There. Yeah. Stop it there, yeah. Yeah, in the meeting. So then, uh, west facing, this plan doesn't have a, a, a data point. They look out over the trees and they get skanked yeah. on by people. My only point, Chairman, <laughs> the reason for me mentioning this is that if you're going to replace windows like that, it's a wonderful opportunity to put in solar screen glass, which would make them much nicer in summer. Just a suggestion, not a planning issue, but it's much better for your comfort. Go on, leave that. <laughs> That's good advice, that really is. <laughs> right. <laughs> we have a recommendation for approval. Does that find a proposal? Councillor Mills, thank you. And a seconder, Councillor Fairhurst, thank you. Uh, let's go to the vote. All those in favour, please show. Thank you, that matter is approved. Thank you, that's the end of the application business. I now have item five on the agenda, Chief Officer's Report of regarding application 16-0287, which was an outline planning refusal at Felsted. And Mrs Denmark will take us through it. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Um, right, this is an application that you considered um, at the last committee. Um, where you uh, recommended to overturn the officer's recommendation and um, one of the reasons that uh, you put forward was that it was contrary to policy EMB1 which is affecting um, conservation areas. Um, now the issue is that this site is not located within a conservation area 
it is adjacent to the conservation area and policy EMV1 only relates to development within the conservation area. So we're not recommending that you um, refuse that you don't refuse the application due to its impact on the conservation area but what we are recommending is that you use the appropriate mechanisms and that is um, paragraph 73.1 uh, paragraph 73.1 of um, the uh, planning listed building conservation areas at which requires us to protect the settings of, list, uh, of conservation areas and also the pa relevant paragraphs in the MPPF. In addition to that, um, we're also recommending that you include a further uh, reason for refusal, which I don't seem to have given you the wording for, so it's not very helpful at all. Um, and that is um, a refusal reason which secures the benefits and requirements that were set out in the section 106 legal obligation. Paragraph 9 sets out all of those um, requirements. They were 40% affordable housing, 5% low-cost starter homes, um, educational, education financial contribution, highways financial contribution, NHS financial contribution, um, the ongoing maintenance of the open space and the ongoing maintenance of the subsystem. If we don't have a refusal reason um, covering those areas, then when we go to appeal, which we're likely to be going that way, then an inspector can say, well, you haven't put it down as a refusal reason, so we're not going to pursue it. So our recommendation is um, we would like you to consider adding on that extra reason for refusal as well as amending the original reason for refusal. Uh, monitoring fee as well, you forgot. You forgot to mention the monitoring fee. And, and just for clarity, please, the wording of that additional... Sorry, I haven't actually given you the wording for it, but it will be something along the lines of um, the, there is uh, no mechanism to secu secure the appropriate um, <coughs> infrastructure and um, mitigation measures required to com um, required arising from the development. I'm sorry, I'm not wording this very well at all. <laughs> There's a, there, within Karen's done everything but worded the lit, but condition part policy, sorry, paragraph 11 refers to Gen 6, which is said uh, development will not be permitted unless it makes provision at the appropriate time for community facilities, school capacity, public services, etc., etc. So that's the policy that we hang it on, and, and so therefore it's, it's, in, it's insufficient contributions to mitigation infrastructure. I, th I think you can trust us to come up with the right wording for that one, to be honest. So that is an additional condition on the uh, refusal reason, I beg your pardon, and as well as the change in the uh, affecting the conservation area rather than in the conservation area. Is that all clear, members? Jolly good. Thank you. Uh, can we have a proposer for that? Uh, Councillor Chambers, thank you. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Hicks, thank you. 
So we'll go to the vote on that proposal. All those in favour, please show. Unanimous. Thank you. That is approved. The next item on the agenda, item 6, again a Chief Officer's report, application 16-2950, a full planning uh, matter in Saffron Walden, and Mr Brown will make the presentation. Members may recall this one from two committees back, the word across there, isn't it, in terms of the uh, members approved it subject to the provisions of contributions towards um, affordable housing. Unfortunately, the government's um, change of the rules has, has now been upheld by the High Court, so therefore we're back to that position whereby uh, a proposal for this amount of dwellings would not attract affordable housing. It's very sad, and I don't think it's right, but that's where we are. And so therefore we have... The planning permission has not yet been granted because the 106 has been... We're only two months on, so therefore... So what I would suggest is that the recommendation is not to seek Section 106 contributions. That is all the Section 106 was, was seeking, so all we suggest is that we approve it without the Section 106 and we can de-instruct de our uh, legal team in terms of the 106. Thank you. Is that clear to members? Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman. Um, was this, this um, um, application accepted with conditions before the, legal, the law changed on the subject or we, are we retrospectively changing our rules? We're being proactive here because what could actually happen is um, the, if you think it all the way through, the, they could refuse to sign the 106, for which we could then refuse it because that would have been the resolution from committee. And that wouldn't be upheld on appeal. That would be, just, that would be allowed on appeal because it falls outside it. So, yes, it was approved. The resolution to approve was before it was upheld in the High Court, so it was before the decision to do it. But we haven't yet issued the planning permission, which means we now need to consider issuing the planning permission in the context of the current government-led government guidance, which is not to seek it. Had we approved it, then they would have had to seek it either through a new application or through uh, an application for a deed of variation, which still would have come through here, I must add, but because we haven't issued it. Um, and the, at the point of issuing the permission is where we should be considering the application in the context of both local and, and, and central government uh, guidance. Sorry, Mr Chairman, I'm just not clear. So what you're saying is that the, the action that we're judging happens on the date of issue of the approval rather than at this tribunal. But I would have thought it was exactly the way around. Surely the, the legal situation becomes extant from the time of the decision rather than the time the, the application is provided. And I'd ask for guidance from, from legal here. Until the decision notice is issued, um, uh, the matters can be changed. It may be necessary to come back to committee, but uh, matters can be changed until the decision notice is issued. Sadly, that is the case, and through gritted teeth, I say we have a recommendation for approval. Does that find a proposer? Councillor Chambers, did find a seconder? Councillor Fairhurst, thank you. So we'll go to the vote. All those in favour, please show. Unanimous. Thank you. That matter is approved. Item 7 on the agenda is planning agreements, which you have before you. A list. Are there any matters members wish to raise with our officers? You've had them two weeks, councillors. You should be prepared. 
I'll take that as a no then. So um, there is no urgent business that I know of, so I'm going to declare the meeting closed at 3.36. Thank you very much.